0: it's fitting on today on this uh last sunday of pastor appreciation day that i get to introduce to you my pastor um, dr greg mason i'll always be indebted to dr greg Uh, he gave this young pastor he took a chance he took a risk and uh, he brought my name before the board and i'll always be indebted to him i know we all vote and different things but you never hear my name if it's not because the district superintendent and uh, he didn't have to do that he took a risk I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate him. He's always been there when I need him. I give him a call, got a question, got a problem, and he always listens. He's never in a hurry to get off the phone, you know, even though I know he's got about 20 other phone calls to make. Um, this is what I really uh, want to say, what I think has um, been a big inspiration to me and my leadership is that Dr. Greg offers strong leadership. And I think, I believe in leadership. I believe in accountability. Uh, You you hear me all the time. I believe in being a part of a denomination uh, where we have leadership. And he provides strong leadership. And we need that. And I think people are hungering for that today. Except he provides strong leadership with amazing amounts of grace. And that's what's unique about Christian leadership, I believe, that it is strong leadership with heaps of grace and mercy and understanding. And he provides that not only to myself, but to our district. Um, So it's my honor to turn over my pulpit to Dr. Greg Mason. Thank you.
1: I um, almost don't know what to say after all that. That, that, (laughs) I hope my wife was listening. (laughs) <clears throat> well, we leave here and get in the car. I won't be the DS anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> so, uh, if you could write all that out and send it to my wife, <clears throat> it is. Uh, it's good to be here. And your pastor said I took a risk on him. It was not much of a risk because after spending uh, some time with him and and uh, being around both of them, I I uh, I just knew they were people who would who loved God and who would love you. And, you know, that's that's uh, I think in many ways, I've come to believe that's the first requirement of pastoring is is being somebody other people can love and somebody who will love other people. And uh, and I knew they they could do that and and are doing that. And I appreciate I appreciate the way you appreciate them. And uh, that doesn't happen everywhere. Um, you, you would be surprised at how many of our churches do nothing for pastor appreciation do, do very little other times. And I know, I know everybody works and I know everybody has careers and I know, I know some of the places you work or have worked are difficult places and nobody, nobody throws you a potluck or gives you a card shower. I, I understand that. Uh, but, um, Uh, But the Bible seems to indicate that uh, that, uh, congregations or people groups or fellowships or bodies of believers do better when they uh, take into account the the work and the ministry of their pastors and leaders. And uh, the Bible says that a, a workman is worthy of his hire and and worthy of what we can compensate and, and, uh, and how much we can show appreciation to them. And uh, you know, I, I, um, I, I say this oftentimes when I'm working with church boards, uh, you come in with a burden, one burden with your burden. It means a lot to you and it weighs heavy on you. It may be a family member, it may be a circumstance, maybe a situation. And you share it with your pastor because that's what you're supposed to do. That's that's part of his role. But we don't think about the fact that 30 other people did the same thing. And so now he bears the burdens of 30 or 40 other people uh, and and does so uh, with a heavy heart, concerned about you and consumed, uh, if nothing else, to be praying and encouraging you And uh, and that that uh, that wears on you, i just tell you, I've been there. It wears on me as a DS uh, to know what uh, many of our folks go through. And uh, and so uh, an opportunity to say thank you. We appreciate you. We we believe in you. That's that's a wonderful thing. Thanks for doing that. And uh, it's always good uh, for me to be able to report to other congregations what churches like yours uh, are doing. I'd like to take your, uh, for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 37, the 37th Psalm. And while, I, while you're turning there, um, I, um, I, I do encourage you to come tonight. It's good to be in fellowship with the rest of the other churches. We'll have people driving all the way up from, from Hayesville and, and Franklin and, and uh, uh, the other churches, Brevard uh, and... Uh, waynesville hendersonville and uh, it's good for us to be together you'll want to be in that atmosphere it'll be a great service and and i will be sharing a message tonight that i i believe god has laid on my heart for our district just really for our churches and for us as individuals Uh, it's not a bunch of goals or anything like that it really is i think what the heartbeat of god is for the north carolina district church and for your church um uh, and, uh, and it won't be a, 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 as long a service as some of those have been, so uh, we'll, we'll try to get you out and, and on the road by 6.15, 6.30 or so uh, tonight. So 5 o'clock, uh, uh, we're going to start that service. Uh, the 37th Psalm um, Years and years and years ago, maybe you came across a little book um, entitled "The Cycle of Victorious Living," written by Earl Lee, who at the time was pastor of Pasadena First Church. And it was based off of this uh, this uh, chapter of the Bible. And I had forgotten all about it. I'm not even sure I still have the book. I I, I had forgotten about the fact that it was written based on the 37th Psalm, but uh, something that a speaker said, just uh, actually did, didn't even read a scripture or verse, but just referenced the 37th Psalm. I was in a seminar with some of our other pastors, and I just wrote it down in my notes when I got back to my office the next day. I began to study this passage, and and I just tell you that, uh, that weeks like we've had this week kind of draw me back to it uh, because... Uh, uh, because there are times when we, we need to be reminded of the goodness of God, uh, even in the midst of tremendous evil. And, and so I was drawn to it this week, and, and uh, I, I think it speaks to it speaks to me let me just say that. it speaks to me, it helps me in times like this. I hope I hope it'll speak to you. I'm reading beginning with verse one in the New International Version. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this, or this is what he will do. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger. And turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you today for uh, for the word of God. It is a, a sanctuary to us. It is a refuge. It is a strength, a guide, a help. When, Lord, we don't know where uh, there might be other help coming. And God, today we need to hear, we need to be reminded of your instruction to us in times like these. I pray we'll hear your voice, the voice of the shepherd in safe pastures. In Jesus' name, amen. A few, uh, oh, it's been a couple of years ago now, I guess, uh, Elaine and I were... uh, uh, we're preaching out in in uh, the Raleigh area, and we had uh, arranged with the pastor that we would we would go to eat after the the service, and um, so we we were taking separate cars. We were following the pastor to the restaurant, and it was a it was a spring day. It was uh, it was early in the spring. It was a gorgeous day. It was it was those day, one of those days you know where you. If you're a motorcycle rider, you can't wait for that first day to be able to get the bike out. Or, uh, and and that, that day, evidently, there was a guy in Raleigh who decided this is a good day to finally put the top down on his sports car. And uh, we're going over one of the overpasses there, and he came around us in a candy, uh, a bright red candy apple uh, sports car. I, I thought it was a Maserati because I don't know much about cars. I just knew it was slick and it was very expensive. And the pastor told me what it was when we got to the restaurant. He said, did you see that? I said, man, did I see it? It was, it was gorgeous. It was one of those cars, you know, you only have two seats because if you have kids, you can't afford them. And, and, uh, uh, it was, it was a gorgeous car. And I got to thinking about, uh, when I was younger and, and, uh, I, I've, I kind of, I liked cars like that. And, And uh, one time, uh, Elaine and I were pastoring. We were pastoring in a little town up in Wisconsin, and and, uh, we had had our third baby, and we were driving a a Ford Fiesta. Anybody remember what a Ford? It was a a bright orange. They don't, in fact, they don't sell Ford Fiestas unless they just started doing it again. But they didn't. They don't sell them in the United States anymore because they they were. Well, if you hit them, you were dead. And, uh, uh, but this was bright orange, so you you couldn't not see me coming. It was like a, I thought it was like a pop can, a a sun-kissed orange pop can is what I called it. And uh, and we had three kids, we'd line up in that back seat, and Elaine and I in the bucket seats in the front, and I had, I I was too heavy for it, and I busted off one of the stabilizer bolts on the, on the front seat and so I drove like I sat in it like this because it was hanging down below the the floorboard and and uh, we were coming back from from Christmas vacation going through Chicago getting back to Wisconsin had the back end was just filled with diaper bags and presents and and stuff in case we got caught in snow and the kids were all just I mean you could not hardly see them because of all the stuff that we had back there they were whining and crying and belly aching, and we'd been on the road and been gone long enough that Elaine wasn't happy. And, and uh, so we're driving through Chicago, and somebody pulls up to me in a 25th anniversary Camaro. And I, there was only like 700 of those made, and I, I wanted one of them. <laughs> and uh, I looked over there at that beautiful, shiny car, and I looked in my rearview mirror, I'm leaning back against the door, and, and uh, looked at my kids, and looked at my wife, and looked at this pop can I was driving, and, and I thought, it's just, it's just not fair. I, I'm doing the Lord's work, and I'm helping people, and I don't make much money. And, and I'm driving this, and that guy, whoever he is, is driving my car. And sometimes in life, we feel like it's not fair. And we particularly feel like life is not fair when we're doing the best we know how, and it seems like the people who are doing evil, who are cheating, who don't care about other people, seem to be the ones who are making out. And we kind of live in a flipped upside down world where we know very good and well that that the values that we ought to have are the values that in many ways are being trampled upon. We, We live in a world today where we can't even grieve together without pointing fingers at each other. I'm kind of a history buff, and I love reading presidential history. I, I, uh, my goal is to read one presidential book, biography a month. And I do that. And, uh, and, and uh, just I took a little diversion this month, and I've been reading a book on vice presidents. And um, uh, so I had to, I've been reading a section just the last few days. Uh, of when John F. Kennedy was assassinated and Lyndon B. Johnson, the vice president, had to take over and and kind of reliving all of that again. And a, a couple of months ago, I read a book about secret service agents, and I went through, I read, it was written by one of the guys who was on the detail when Kennedy was shot. And and I was in third or fourth grade when that happened, but I remember we, as a country, we were able to mourn together. I mean, we, everybody felt the pain and and, and obviously we wondered who did it and why it was done, and we had investigations, but, but collectively we were all together. This week we've had two tragedies, uh, significant tragedies in our, in our country with these bombs being sent and the shooting yesterday. Do you know what our response has been? It's to start blaming people, to start pointing fingers at one another, to say it's because of this group, or this group, or because of something this person said. And, and, and so it seems to me, it just seems to me, the burden of my heart is that the world has been flipped upside down. And we no longer, we, we struggle to even know how to handle evil and how to handle difficulties and discouraging, frustrating circumstances. Now that's national, that's... That's international. But how is it in your own home? How is it in your own life? When the Camaro pulls up next to you and you feel like God has somehow treated you unfairly, that the things that you felt like were going to happen or you were going to enjoy, even as a Christian or even as a servant of God, haven't all panned out. What should we do in those circumstances? Well, David, David's been through that. David is writing uh, a little later in his life. He's no longer the young man that we find standing out in front of Samson, uh, who's full of faith and full of, you know, we might say vim and vinegar, and doesn't you, you know what they say about young people? Sometimes they don't know any better, <laughs> and they just, they just go after it. That's not David, not in this psalm. He is a man of experience now. He is a man who has been through some things. While, while a young teenager, he, 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 was a, he was a battle winner. He was a warrior. Now, now he has he's lived some life. There are several occasions when, when, as you know, Saul was, was, was trying to kill David, that'll, that'll change your perspective on things. And in, in a couple of those circumstances, situations, David could have killed Saul. And you know the stories. David walked away. David decided not to. The right thing to do was not to kill Saul. And you know what happened? Saul went back to a castle. And David went and hid out in a cave. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. I I think of the time that David uh, and some of his men who were almost starving to death, they did right by uh, by a man by the name of Nabal. And they saved him, protected his shepherds and his his flocks from bandits. And David went to him and, and asked him a small favor so his men wouldn't starve to death. And, and in return, Nabal said, in effect, drop dead. That, that didn't seem right. Didn't seem fair. And in those times, the, the natural response uh, if I could revert to an old term, an old word, the carnal response. <laughs> and maybe it's not even as bad as that, maybe it's just the human response is to grow confused or angry, certainly disheartened when things like that happen. I um I've I've come to rediscover a word that I think. David is alluding to here. In fact, some of the Hebrew words that he uses here give this emphasis on dissatisfaction. There's just a sense of dissatisfaction. In, in America, and I don't know how I'd preach this somewhere else, but in America we have everything. I was on my phone this morning and and uh, when I got up, which is unfortunately one of the first things I do to see if I've gotten any messages or anybody, and I usually get texts on Sunday morning, and, and something popped up that I don't know if I've ever seen it before, maybe it's a new feature. It told me how much I'd averaged on my phone every day for the month, last month. I was, I'm embarrassed. I won't even tell you. But it's over an hour a day. L- way over. <laughs> And, and, uh, and I, but I have that. And, and I have an iPad. I actually have two, and a computer. I don't know why I'm carrying all that stuff around. I, I only need one of them. But, and we've got, I mean, we've got all of these privileges, and all of this technology, and all of this stuff, and, and, you know, It's it's amazing. Somebody said the other day, how many? Somebody put on Facebook the other day, if if you if we give you a million dollars to to not um, not use any of your electronics for a month, would you do it? And everybody said, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then the power went out for two hours in Charlotte, (laughs) and people lost their minds. (laughs) You understand where I'm going? What I'm saying? And yet, in our our culture, there is such a a steep, an increase of dissatisfaction with all of the stuff that we have, all of the opportunities that we have, all of of the, the life that we have available to us. It seems to me everybody I meet feels like they've lost something. People in churches feel like we've lost something. Families feel like they've lost something. It may be peace, it may be be routine, it may be some level of freedom, but we all feel like we've lost something. And David speaks into our lives in times when it seems like the wicked are prospering, when life isn't fair, when it seems like we're tempted to give in and do evil ourselves. David gives us good instruction. And I just want to walk through this with you very very quickly. It's, I'm not sure it's anything profound, but I think it is a message we need to hear today. And if you look there in verse 3, the first thing he says, when all of this has happened, when you have these feelings... Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. And and I'm I'm convinced that yesterday, uh, uh, some of you are aware, and I hope this doesn't offend any of you old-time Nazarenes, but some of you are aware that churches these days are are making movies that, that speak to Christ and, and give clear testimony of the goodness and the giftedness of Christ. And we have a church in Memphis, a Nazarene church, that now has produced two uh, movies, and, and one of them just came out this weekend called Indivisible. And uh, Elaine wanted to see it, and, and I wanted to see it, but i, I just just been having trouble squeezing in my schedule. So we went yesterday afternoon. We usually don't go to movies in the afternoon, but we did before we drove up here and and it's put on by, uh, again, one of our churches uh, in Memphis. And, and, uh, and the whole thrust of the movie, I wrote, I wrote the pastor uh, last night and, and thanked him and his congregation, but the whole thrust of the movie is that it's about a chaplain, and it's about war, and it's about things that families who are in military go through. It's, it's, it's profound. But the whole thrust is you got to trust God. There's there's nowhere else you can't trust in government and you can't trust in much but you can trust in God. I've been dealing with the hurricane out on the East Coast. Actually two of the hurricanes and the damage that it's done and and the work that has been left to do and, and I want to tell you something. Don't expect your insurance company to ride to the rescue. Is there to find everything they can do to try to get out from underneath paying you in many cases? And so here's these poor people, they've lost everything, and then find out their insurance isn't any good. Or find out it's going to take so long for this to happen or that to happen. And they've lost I mean I've 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 stood in the living rooms of these houses with our people, Nazarene people, who have lost everything. What do you do when that happens? David said, trust the Lord. When you're living in a cave instead of a castle, trust the Lord. When the people you have helped succeed won't help you at all, trust the Lord. I, I love this song. We were in a church and I, I had not heard it. Elaine listens to a lot more Christian radio. She's a better Christian than I am and she, she li- listens to a lot more Christian music than I do. And, and we were in a church and a little girl got up to sing and and, and she sang a song I've heard a, m- a number of times now and, and kind of know the tune, but I, 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 at that point, didn't know I'd ever heard it. And we got out of the car and I said, Elaine, have you heard that song before? She said, oh yeah, and she played it for me. She had it on her phone and she played it for me. Some of the words are, when you don't move the mountains, I will trust in you. When you don't part the waters, I will trust in you. When I pray and you don't give the answer, I will trust in you. And the the thrust, the emphasis of David is the very first thing that you have to do when the world flips upside down and life doesn't seem fair and you're dissatisfied is trust in God. And do good. Do good. There There was a famous book that came out years ago entitled, Whatever Became of Shame? And one of our, one of our national magazines, uh, Newsweek or Time, I can't remember which one, a couple of years ago, rode piggyback on that theme and, and just kind of said, asked the same question. What, whatever, whatever happened to, to shame? The, the, the emphasis was people just kind of do all kinds of stuff these days <laughs> And have no, I mean, are almost proud of it. It almost, be, you know, a lot of this stuff that, that I've talked about and we know about, people do it just to get on the front page of the newspaper, to get Fox News to talk about them. They have no shame. I think I'm going to write a book on whatever happened to goodness. Whatever happened to people just being Good. Doing what is right. You know, in the book of Galatians, there's a passage that says, and we Nazarenes love this passage. It says, you will reap what you sow. And for years I preached, and I heard others preach, you know, you, you sow evil, you'll reap it. You'll harvest evil, you know, and it's all about sin and all about doing bad stuff and don't do bad stuff. Do you know the thrust of that, that scripture, the emphasis of that scripture is not what you're doing wrong, it's what you're doing right. If you look up that passage of scripture, it'll say, do good. Do good to everybody, especially those in the household of faith. Every opportunity you have, do good. You reap what you sow. I love what Mother Teresa said in her little poem called, Anyway. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you'll win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. And I love this one. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Amen. Amen. I was at a, a national conference not long ago and, and uh, I'll just tell you this story. I was in it it was people from all over the world actually but mostly from our country and a lot of the biggest name speakers in, our, in, in the Christian community were there. We had a night, they had, we had a free night, so all of the Nazarenes who were there got together. there's about a hundred of us. And, and uh, we had one of uh, one of the uh, best known researchers, Christian researchers and speakers come and speak to us. And he, he did a panel and, and Nazarene, uh, Nazarene leaders put it together, but they did a panel of pastors of the churches, of, of the church I pastored when I was elected DS and, and the church that I'd planted as uh, As I was pastor of that church, both those churches have grown quite a bit uh, since since I left and uh, so and they had the d s from that district there, and so they had this panel there were talking about uh, how God is blessed and how god 's used those churches and all of the things that were going on, and, and actually talked a little bit about our partnership with that church as a district and and I was sitting in the audience uh, because nobody had asked me and, and uh, I didn't know that's what they were going to do. And I was, I was a little surprised. I was interested. It's very good. It's wonderful. But I'm sitting there and, and I was thinking, you know, I started all that. Everything they're talking about, I started. That was my vision. I hired the people. I, I, I made the sacrifice. I, I, uh, I wrote out the plan. I mean, that was my deal. And I'm sitting here. Nobody's talking about me. Nobody's got me up there with a microphone in my hand. And I, was, I, I wasn't doing it, but I felt like going off in the corner and sucking my thumb. <laughs> I wanted to say, does anybody remember? Say, would you do it all over again? Nobody gives you credit? Yeah, yeah, I would. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Trust the Lord. And do good. Well, I go to the next section. And I need to hurry. But he says, take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Or delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. When I first read that, I, I, you know, I had one of those V8 moments. Man, if I have just done what God wanted me to do, I got a new Camaro. That's, that's what he says. <laughs> I missed it somewhere. (laughs) Take delight in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. What does that mean? There's a Greek word uh, that we've, your pastor knows it well, he knows it better than I do, but it's a word called teleos. And it is the word where, where, uh, when the scripture says be perfect in the New Testament, be perfect as your father is perfect um that the word perfect there is teleos. It really doesn't mean, obviously doesn't mean absolute perfection. It means complete or mature. Um it, it means to be suitable for, for God's intended purpose. That's that's a, a good definition of it. But the root word means to set a goal, to, to set a mark, if you will. Uh, um it means what are you striving for and what David is saying here is strive for the things that delight God strive for the things that put a smile on God's face I I, have been reminded a thousand times in the last few years that I want to do or God wants me to do the things that he can bless listen folks Some of our negativity and some of our disagreement and some of our fussing and some of our criticizing, God cannot bless that. And it's, I could give you a thousand (laughs) scriptures, maybe not that many, that will tell you God's not going to bless that. What He blesses is encouragement and blessing and, and helpfulness and. And I want to find the thing, I want to be, I want to delight in the things the Lord delights in. And he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And I think that, I think he's talking about God will, God will give us a sense of satisfaction in what he has done for us. And what he has given us. I want to so live in tune with what pleases God for my life or for my church or for my district. I want to be in the center of what delights him so that what delights me and satisfies me is to know I'm in the center of God's will. He says then, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, And he will do this. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. There it is again. And he will do this. I I was studying this in my office there in in Charlotte and trying to write a sermon. This this has been months and months and months ago. And and it was a heavy time, a heavy time in our our world. And it hadn't gotten any lighter, (laughs) has it? And I thought, well, you know, I can't. Pastor, I can't come around to these congregations and say, I mean, do you people. Commit, you know, get more committed. Just be more committed. Not a good night. These are the people who are already committed. They'd be in bed this morning if they weren't committed. They'd be out at the fall festival somewhere. The apple, you know, I don't know. You'd be doing something else. You're already, I can't. I said, Lord, I can't go and tell people to be more committed. Good night. They're already paying my salary. <laughs> I got to studying it. That's always a good thing. And I, uh, I, I found out from some guy. I don't know who he is, but I. He uh, he was commentating on on this. He said, this commit doesn't mean grit your teeth and bear down and do more. But this commit is to give to the Lord. Give to the Lord. Here here it is, folks. What dissatisfaction, pain, unfairness, disagreement, the world flipped upside down. You know what that's done to us? It's created a heavy, heavy burden. My kids are used to me talking like this, and Elaine brings it up every once in a while, but I've I've always talked about people who just kind of walk around with their head down, their shoulders curled over, you know, and just kind of kicking at the ground, (laughs) shuffling along. I want to be the kind of Christian that walks with my head up, my shoulders back with a brisk pace. But it's no wonder these days we walk with our shoulders hunched over and our heads down and kind of just shuffling along because of the heavy burden of life's disappointments and life's unfairness and the, the fact that it just doesn't seem, you know, there's so much hate in the world it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to get better until Jesus comes back. And it's pro- that's probably true. But what David is saying is roll that burden over onto God. You don't have to carry that. Just the Lord is ready. He, he, he's the burden bearer. <laughs> Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Roll it over onto God. And I, I just, I wish there, I wish you, I just wish I could encourage you today to, to kind of rise up, put that burden, that sack of burden over on the Lord and, and get rid of it and, and walk a little taller believing that God is going to handle all of this stuff that burdens us. I, I, I'm, I'm amused and amazed when he says, and this this is what the Lord will do. He will, he'll make your righteousness shine like the dawn. I, I'm going I'm to read a verse tonight that's very similar to that. And what, what happens? Our, our, you, know, you can't shine like this. <laughs> but you can shine like this. Head up, shoulders back, believing and trusting God. will shine. I always think of, I've got to hurry, but I always think of Mickey Marvin when I read that verse. A lot of you, all of you knew Mickey. When he, his funeral, many of you were there for his visitation and how they had us coming in down there at Hendersonville Church and winding our ways through the pews and up to the front. And I'd gotten there and uh, went back sat down and and uh, just was amazed, just sat there and visited with some folks and, and uh, stayed, stayed until I guess they turned the lights off. But I was sitting with some Oakland Raider fans. <laughs> it was kind of fascinating. People had driven many, many miles from other states to come and honor Mickey. And um, this guy, I didn't know a lot about Mickey's career. I mean, I knew the, the big stuff, but this guy was filling me. I mean, he knew everything about Mickey. And uh, he was filling me in, and he, he was looking at all the people, the hundreds of people there lined up, and he said, he was a great player. And I said to him, I, didn't, I don't know his name, I said, friend, those people that are in that line aren't there because he was a great football player. They were there because he was a great man, a godly, good man. And I think about righteousness shining like the dawn. It brings a little, this is so corny, brings a little sunshine into the world, in a world that is pretty dark. That sounds like something Jesus would say, you are the light of the world. The last thing that he says here is, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's usually where most preachers stop. But in the next verse, he says, don't fret when evil people do well, when they succeed. Because fretting only leads to evil. Now here's a warning. The warning is when we're dissatisfied and we're anxious, And the word fret there really means dissatisfied. Doesn't mean wringing our hands. The temptation is to forget our spiritual values, our Christian values, and to do what others are doing so we can succeed like they are. And I take you back to the first verse where David says, remember that scheme And those people will only last a little while. God is victorious. He doesn't say this, but God is victorious forever. And our life in him is forever. Don't give that up just in an an attempt to find something satisfying that others have found through evil schemes. There's not any kids in here, but I would say to kids or teenagers, don't cheat on the test because you don't think it's fair that you, ch- you studied hard and got a worse grade than the person who just kind of didn't do much and got a better grade. Don't cheat. Does that make sense? That's what he's saying. Don't do evil. Here's, here's what bothers me. Somebody does evil in the world, and we who are Christians get on social media and act just as badly, speak just as badly, are just as hateful as they are because we're mad our point, our politician, our priority didn't win. Don't do evil because others are prospering. Be still and wait upon the Lord. Praise God it's helpful to me when God gives me something so practical to do when I feel like the world is flipped upside down may God add his blessing today to the preaching of the word I'm gonna ask the pastor to come and lead us the rest of the way
0: thank you Dr. Gregg as we respond to the word and as our servers come down I think this can be a time for us to Roll that burden as he suggests to us over to God. I know sometimes we're tempted to carry the weight of the world. And, and uh, like you said, media and watching TV, all it wants us to carry the burden of the world. And we think we can just keep on going back and take, taking on the burden. But that burden does not allow us to do what we need to do to follow Christ and to do the good. Some of us are carrying personal burdens. Some of us are carrying family burdens. Burdens you can't share. Now is the time to roll it over to God. And I was thinking about and is preaching in the upside-down world. Good thing, though, we serve a Lord that walks with us, that knows what that's like. Jesus was the one that came into the world and did everything right. And from the get-go, what did they want to do? Throw him off a cliff after his first sermon. We're not going to take you to the cliff, Dr. Greg. What did he say? Well, I guess I'll give up on doing good. They're not hearing it. No. Then the next time they try to kill him, did he give up on doing good and doing the Lord's work? No. He kept on. Even when he was standing trial for injustice, he kept on doing good and stayed faithful. And here's the good news, though. The good news of the gospel is we know how that ended. He became victorious over the grave itself. And now that same one walks with us during our time of communion and prayer That is what we are reminded of. That's what we are grabbing hold of. We are receiving the grace of Christ to keep going. I can't do it on my own human nature. I need to depend on the grace of Jesus Christ, and that is what this time is for. So I invite you to pray at an altar. Pray in your seat. I'm willing to pray with you. I can anoint you for yourself or for a loved one that needs healing in your life. Become, receive, and depend on the grace that will sustain you through good and through bad because we know how it ends. He is victorious. On the night our Lord was betrayed, after giving thanks, he took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat whenever you do in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup said this is the cup of the new covenant this is my blood shed for you take drink whenever you do in remembrance of me and for the forgiveness of sins